Seinfeld, the junk mail is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the guys who always keep the podcast van a-rocking. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Akiva Winokur. Keeve, how's it going? I thought you were going to say, here are two jackbooted thugs. No, no, that's not us. Not thugs. We, we could become jackbooted thugs. Yes, yes. But... We uh, probably are uh, not at that level yet. We're not cool enough to be jack. Like, we could be regular thugs. I don't know about jackbooted thugs. I don't even know if we could do thugs. Yeah, we can't pull off thugs. That's true. Right. (laughs) So that would be a stretch. But uh, we are back once again to talk about the junk mail here from season nine. Uh, Put your mail on hold for this one. Yeah, this is the start of the final 20, right? Episode 161. So we got 160 down, 20 to go. We're in the back 20. All right. In the back 20 and uh, some stuff to talk about here where Jerry gets a van. George's parents are trying to avoid him. Elaine is dating the Wiz. So uh, some fun stuff uh, here today, Keeve. So uh, what's going on with you? In general? Yeah, general. Oh, I mean nothing. Nothing? I mean, like, what would be going on with me? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you, you, you have, have stuff s- going on that I don't know about. Uh, well, it's the survivor finale this week. So I just have a lot of like, uh, work stuff that's, uh, trying yeah, to get to work, through. but not, yeah. like, that's not interesting. Um, yeah, we, we did the, uh, we did the podcast last week. I think it was pretty well received. Oh, good. The third, the hot takeoff. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to tell like how many people listened, but it feels like more people listened good, to good. the hot takeoff than the other podcast. Glad there was some buzz. Uh, I spent on Saturday, I ended up, uh, you know, my wife had asked me for a while to hold this day. She wanted to have a family day. We ended up going to the Los Angeles uh, Natural History Museum. They had a bug fair. Fair meaning you could buy bugs? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's bad. And I don't mind seeing the bugs. Right. The <laughs> option to buy them to me is a no, is like a no is like a deal breaker. And we went out there. And boys, like my daughters wouldn't necessarily want bugs, but boys like bugs because they're gross. Yeah, my son is really into bugs, and uh, we went out there, and it was fine. You know, um, it was uh, you know a, a good time for a while. You know, as far as like leaving the house goes. I mean, how good could it be? And Did you bring home any bugs? No, 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 no. Um, That's not bad. But ultimately, you know, my wife decided it was time to leave. My son didn't want to. Uh, He left hysterical and was hysterical for an hour, a car ride home in traffic. So, yeah, in there, it's like, what are we? Kids, a little kids don't appreciate anything. No, I I just don't. I just am reminded, like, I could have just been home today. Why did I leave the house? He'd have been 10 times happier. Yeah, uh, he cried. Why didn't we? We needed to get a toy from the museum. And then he there was something that he still wanted to see. And yeah, it was just it was brutal. And on top of that, I have like um, I I have a very slow dripping like a like water, like filtered water, like a spigot. And it uh, sometimes um, the uh, dishes uh, back up at my at my house, Keeve, you Mm. know. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna. Have- I'm not gonna place. Bl- uh, yeah, I guess because because uh, I because I didn't uh, finish podcasting and then uh, do all the dishes in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, I guess I'm supposed to. And I ended up uh, like I was like gonna like get a, have some water before I left, and I sort of like uh, put the glass on the counter and left the water filter spigot open, and then I came home to like a flooded uh, kitchen. Ooh, that's brutal. Yeah, it was really one of the worst days of my life. 
worst days of your life. No, uh, I mean, like uh, certainly of last week, of last week. Yeah. The worst uh, days of the last week. Uh, okay, it, 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 it was brutal. Yeah. And then, and then I really, I doubled down and I decided to uh, barbecue for my family and it really just ended up in uh, my wife just being uh, extremely angry. And it was really the, the more, the more I'm here with you, the better I'm doing. The safer you are. See, right. again, my ineptness or ineptitude uh, really helps me because like my wife barbecues. I don't barbecue because I don't. It's part of cooking. I know it's a guy's thing to barbecue, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm like past sort of like gender labels and stuff like that. Like I don't I, I just don't know how to cook. You're, so you're too evolved. Barbecue. I'm too evolved to barbecue. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like that's just another thing that I can't get in trouble about. OK, so again, happy to be uh, back here in the podcast studio uh, with at least a flight of stairs between me and uh, everybody who does your uh, door lock. No, no locked doors, no. unfortunately. Yeah, that's things. I mean, it does. I, I could lock the downstairs door, but then, um, you know, I, I, at some point there just be, might be somebody like bashing on the door. Why is this door locked? Yeah, same here. Same here. Okay. All right. So uh, let's uh, talk the junk mail. And uh, when is this from, Keeve? Uh So the junk mail is from um, January, uh, not January, uh, October 30th, 1997. Okay. Written by Spike Ferriston, directed, as always, by Andy Ackerman. All right. Uh, Seinfeld opted not to do a Halloween episode in the uh, final run. They could have had a decent Halloween episode, again, airing the night before Halloween, right? Um, they could have really done something. You have, like, ditches and you have, yeah, uh, like, like it- the dark park. You really could have tied it in pretty seamlessly to have, like, a couple Halloween themes. But they could have done something. No did they ever end up doing anything uh, Halloween related in Seinfeld? Do we have a Halloween related anything in Seinfeld? I don't um, think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, I'm looking on the uh, Google thread. Is there a Seinfeld Halloween related episode? Um, and they definitely did some stuff. No, they didn't. No, yeah. there's no there's no Halloween mention really. Yes. Uh according to this one Reddit user, never be and depressed. Uh never been depressed. Okay. Mm. So those these usernames are like, you know, it's like four words in a row. Uh yeah. you know, you could put some capitals in there it and help us out. Should be more like aim where you only get like 12 letters <laughs> or 16 letters. Right. Uh never been depressed says they originally considered making the blood a Halloween episode since it was so dark. Um I'm not she sure if that's canon. Like- he sounds like a yeah, reliable source, a random guy on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, just in the time frame, uh, I think, what did we say last week? It was uh, October 23rd, if it was a week earlier. Um, you could have uh, potentially gotten that in the Halloween time frame. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld only wrote two books ever. He wrote Sign Language famously mm-hmm. in 1993, and he wrote a book called Halloween in 2002. Okay. And what's it about? Uh, it's like a children's, children's Halloween book. book. Uh, what do you have, like 10 minutes? Uh, and then uh, figure, let me just uh, bang something out. Yeah, it's it's like one of those books where like I got one more book on my contract. So let me just like, you know, do a greatest hits album. Yeah, my favorite book. version of that ever is Tony Kornheiser mm-hmm. has a book that's uh, I'm back for more cash. That's the name yeah. of the book. Yeah, that's the best name to any book. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I might have read that book uh, when I was like in sequester for Survivor in uh, 2002. Which one? Jerry Seinfeld's Halloween? No, or I'm no, back, I'm for, back more for more cash. <laughs> Uh, I think that that's what I did. Uh, I'm a big Tony Kornheiser guy. Did he mail it in? Didn't, it was just like his columns. Um, okay. I, it, it wasn't necessarily like uh, that he he's wrote a He's from my neck book. of the woods. He's a fellow five-towner. 
Yeah. No, he's great. I love Tony Kornheiser. Um, yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, the, you have these columnists do this thing uh, where it's like, uh, you know, here's some of my best columns. And then that's what it was. But uh, I, I, I was a big fan. Uh, still am, but I don't listen to, to him that often. Who cares, right? Uh, let's go to uh, Jerry is uh, talking on the phone to uh, fragile Frankie Merman, Keeve. Yeah, really a great one-off character, like an underrated one-off character. So somehow uh, we find out that Fragile Frankie is getting Jerry a sob for doing a Chinese, I'm sorry, is getting Jerry a sob for doing a comedy show. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, Jerry did a 30 minute bit. I mean, he makes fun of this trade a little later in the episode, but like he did a 30 minute bit Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, 30 minute set, excuse me. And uh, they gave, they offered him a sob. It's a car dealership. So. They're only paying cost, maybe. But yeah, it sounds like a good deal for Jerry. Sounds like a pretty good deal. I do like the fact that they are immediately calling back like, what's with Jerry's car? You know, mm-hmm. oh, it, it you know got destroyed in the, with the, in the blood last week. Like, at least if it was friends, they wouldn't, you know, it would just never be mentioned again. Yeah. Whereas here, we're, we're at least, uh, you know, like spending two seconds to sort of uh, continue the timeline. Yeah. And so Jerry wants to get off the phone. George does a move that says, uh... Chinese food. Like, oh, there's my Chinese food. I got to run, uh, which uh, is good setup for what comes up later. <laughs> okay. Um, we find out that Fragile Frankie was Jerry's summertime camp friend who was the Summer George. Yeah, I like the idea of a Summer George. You didn't go to summer camp growing up, I think you said, right? No, but I get it. Yeah, I had I had summer friends who I didn't, because it was pre-internet or like early internet, I didn't think or or speak to them from the day we left camp till like July 1st when we came back to camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, then I had my school friends and like one time my school friends met my camp friends. It was very strange. <laughs> it's like the Bizarro Jerry. Exactly. It was like a Lane's Two Crews meeting. Yeah. Uh, we find out that George had his own summer, Jerry, uh, Whitey Fisk, the guy who snuck him into Last Tango in Paris. George admits that he made him up. Yeah, such a classic George move. Yes, um, and uh, Jerry says, uh, so you never saw Last Tango Paris, and uh, it was very erotic. Yeah, I, I just love that George had a fake summer friend. Mm-hmm. All right, so here comes Kramer. He's had it with these jackbooted thugs, the Pottery Barn. Too many catalogs, very relatable. Yes. Keeve, are you still getting a lot of catalogs? You know, I don't. Um, I don't check the mail. I, I like took the mail key off my off my keychain, so I my wife gets it like once a week. It, Why? It Why'd you take the key off? It was bothering you. I don't like. I, I didn't like take it Too on heavy? purpose. I just like switch keychains, and it's okay. not on there anymore. So I can't even get into the mail slot. Mm-hmm. Um, so Been it's there. really up to her. And I don't. And like, it's also a good excuse not to check the mail. There shouldn't be mail anymore. This isn't a hot take, right? Like, <laughs> there should not be any mail. I right. feel bad for the magazine people because they'd be the ones left out. Because like every bill should be online, like charity requests should be online, junk mail shouldn't exist. The only thing I can think of is like, oh yeah, what about magazines? The magazine industry. I think it's the ma- big magazine, the magazine no, lobby. Big is junk mail. The mail big junk mail is keeping the mail alive. Yeah, but like, who is junk mail? The direct response uh, advertisers. Yeah, but are they're, they're like a bunch of smaller companies, whereas like the magazines are a couple like major media companies. Hmm, I'm not sure. I, I think uh, we need to get rid. Like, no one would complain if there was no more mail. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think this might have been a hot take in 1997. I think they were onto something. Here, 20 years later, uh, a cult take. You know, one yeah. pepper. So, 
I think that uh, magazines, though, I feel like are not a big factor in the equation. Who gets that many magazines? People, doctor's people office, get, well, doc, doctors, yeah. dentists. Um, I agree, but what if you cancel the mail? My question is, who who suffers the most? Like magazines can't exist anymore, right? Um, you, could be well, you, you could have newspapers because you have newspaper delivery men, mm-hmm. and newspapers are local. So, like, if you have the New York. If you have the L.A. Daily News and the L.A. Times out there, wherever you get, I'm sure you get both of them because you're a cultured guy. <laughs> I the, don't get any newspaper. Right. But like everyone who's getting the papers in L.A. So like you have a finite number of people. But like if it's if you have Sports Illustrated, which is trash now, I've read, I, you know, I still read it every week and it's terrible. Um, the, the you know, there might be like one person in your whole town. So you can't have like a Sports Illustrated delivery man. Mm-hmm. So it has to come through the mail. It can't be like, you know, delivery service. Or they could do it online. But they're dying to give these magazine subscriptions away. Do, do you want to know the craziest thing I know about magazines? What? Whenever you see, whenever you see like um, circulation for a magazine, the way they do the numbers is like, let's say they say like Sports Illustrated circulation is a million people. Mm-hmm. They count how many people get it, which is probably only like 10% are paying full price, including me. But the, 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 they count how many people. So let's say it's like 100,000 people or 150,000 people, and they multiply it by seven, assuming like the average family mm-hmm. has seven people or something. Okay. They <laughs> literally average everything by seven. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Who knew? So, so, yeah. So, the, right. The magazine industry is, there, there might be like a Madoff-ish quality to the magazine industry. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. All right. So, yeah, Kramer is getting a bunch of Pottery Barn catalogs. Uh, there's also a GQ magazine with Mira Sorvino George wants to know if she would go out with him. Yeah. Do you think, do you think there's no chance? Mm, Mira Servino then or now? Well, now I think like you could definitely land Servino. Amir points out that like he just dated Marissa Tomei, who at this point is probably bigger or similar to, to Servino. So I don't know if it's so ridiculous. She's turning 50 in September. Mm-hmm. What's her biggest she thing? Has, she has an Oscar for Mighty Aphrodite, a Woody Allen movie. Is it Leo? Um, she's probably best known for Romy and Michelle. Really? Uh, like, she went it? to Harvard. Oh, so she's smart. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, a uh, little uh, IMD bag action uh, here. I guess, uh, what's her? So she's in Summer of Sam in 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is only 97. Yeah, so Mighty Aphrodite, which, I mean, did anybody like that movie? Or it's just like... No, it was uh, a tiny movie. She just won the Oscar for it. Yeah. And then it was just like, what? Because uh, Woody Allen, Halo Factor, before, back before uh, there was any Woody Allen scandal. I think it was a weak movie year. That was like the Braveheart year. There was like no second best movie, I think. Yeah. And then... Um, we get to There's not, again, Romy and Michelle. She's Romy. Like, that's it. After that, she, you know, by the I guess like she was in Mimic, which I saw, which was really bad. There's not like even afterwards there's you know, there's not a lot of she's worked like she pays her bills acting. But like, there's not a lot of she's like more famous than she should be even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. A lot of direct to videos in there. Even. See, I, I think I get her confused, too, with uh, Mina Savari. Oh, yeah. There's like a 30 year age difference. Yeah. Well, Nina Savari is no, in no, there's American. Not a, there's not a thirty year age difference. Fifteen at least. Uh, I don't know. I saw her when I went to go see a Celebrity American Ninja Warrior, and she's one of the people that's running the course. Uh, so it's not things are not going great for me. <laughs> no, Mina's no. a little older than me. I would have assumed she was younger. Yeah, but she's still she's you know thirty eight, and Sorvino's forty nine. So they're okay. in a different sort of place. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Uh, Twice divorced. She's looking for hubby number three. If anyone out there is interested. <laughs> yeah. Dayton meets Savari. Okay. So, uh, so, so George is in the market. Anyway, so Kramer is going to go down to the Pottery Barn. Pottery Barn's in for a world of hurt. Yeah. I, do they even have real Pottery Barn stores? I think they're in malls and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Why would you a think? Not Pottery Barn guy. Right. Yeah. I think that the most famous thing that ever happened with Pottery Barn is when uh, Colin Powell talked about the Pottery Barn rule with uh, if you break it, you buy it. Yeah, do you think that's like their main thing? Break it, you buy it? Well, I think that he was talking about it in terms of going into Iraq, right? Yeah. So, I think that. Look by- at you, all knowledgeable and stuff. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, th- I believe so. Um, yes. This guy doesn't know the difference between Mina Suvari and, and Mira Sorvino, but ask him about like Colin Powell trivia and he's going to nail it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, that's uh, from a uh, 2003 uh, article. That's uh, I think that was what uh, Colin Powell had told George Bush before he went into Iraq. So George Bush, too. And you could just call him W. Like, yeah, no one, sorry. No one calls him. Sorry. I didn't know the lingo. And uh, George uh, can't go with Jerry to go eat. He needs to call his parents. Now, this seems a little out of nowhere that George needs to do all this prep for his weekly call with his parents. It seems a little out of character. It, it's believable that he only calls his parents once a week. Mm hmm. Do you have a set time to call your mom every week or you speak to her more often than that? No, I, I, that I, I used to on the weekends uh, uh, when my dad was uh, still around that I used to like uh, like and I had like more of like a normal schedule. I would call like on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, uh, usually around the same time. But now like that I have kids, it's sort of like, you know, uh, when I can. Okay. Yeah. No, I call, I try and call my, my mom every uh, Friday. My dad, I speak to every day online, so I don't, I don't feel the need to call. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Elaine and Putty are back together. We don't get to see the relationship, uh, restart, but, uh, they're in the, uh, monks and Putty says that this is the, uh, best okra in the city. Yeah. He says it's, uh, he says it's really good okra. I, I, I like, uh, to me, all okra is tied for the worst. Yeah, what is okra? It's like uh, it's like green stuff. I don't even know. It's like, I, I, is it like? Uh, it, I, I don't like. It is green. I don't know like what to compare it to. Why I would anybody that, like, be eating this celery. in a coffee shop? I mean, it might have been like a garnish on the side of like a bagel or something. I don't know. What they're not talking about it like it's garnish. They have fried okra, right? Isn't that a thing? I'm not making that up. I mean, w- that might be like a southern food. What restaurant eat, that, is this? It. It's freaking monks. Listen, it's a diner. They have everything on the menu. Uh, I guess so. Uh, but they don't talk about it as a diner. They talk about it as a coffee shop. But it is essentially a diner, no? Like, they have all these weird foods. Uh, I guess so. Anyway, so um, uh, Elaine says it's delish. Uh, Putty likes to say scrump. Yeah, scrump is short for scrumptious. Uh, yes, yes. He's the only person ever. I like it, but he's the only person to ever say it. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't like it. Not good. I think it's funny. Like I, I wouldn't use it myself. Yeah, I'm gonna delish, start using it. Delish is so basic now that you wouldn't even notice if somebody okay. said delish. All right, so Putty has to leave, and here's this guy behind the lane. He says, "Can you pass the ketchup?" And then uh, Elaine does it, and she looks at him, and we get like this harp, and it's like this guy has like this like intoxicating stare. 
and Elaine falls in love with him. Yeah, I, I like the the harp thing to me is weird because like, what are we looking at? They don't. He, he's not like the super good looking guy that they're framing. Like, it do, doesn't make any sense to me. This whole storyline from when I watched this episode in 1997, like I, I don't get anything about what's going on here where the guy has like this great stare because he used to be the pitch person for nobody beats the whiz or I guess it's like them recognizing him but it, right it doesn't make any sense it's not explained he should be a better looking guy no offense so should i yeah yeah uh, is that like it, it's it's really is that what they're going for because we you know him from somewhere that you feel like that he's an important person I, that's clearly what they're going for, that you're into this trance and you don't know why, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it really uh, does not play for me uh, anything here with this storyline. Plus, Nobody Beats the Wiz is a real store, but they, they never had a spokesperson. They never had commercials like this, so I'm not sure why they use the real store. Why like, they use a real company when they could have come up with a fake one? Right. I just think like the idea of a Wiz, you would have had to like really work hard for like... I guess it could have been anything. It could have been like, you know, King Bob's furniture and or like there is a Bob's furniture, right? Like King Bob's, uh, you know, pillow store. Mm-hmm. And then like he, he walks around with a scepter and he's King Bob. Yeah. I mean, there was Crazy Eddie who used to do commercials. Uh, yes. He and, just died. Yes. Uh, and Crazy Eddie. But but I don't think that anybody like I I didn't get to see the inside look. So I don't know what if there was one on this episode. I it suspect was, it was there very was. short. They didn't really discuss the idea uh, of like i just the don't know what the genesis of this idea was did somebody run into crazy eddie but he like, was like an older I, guy he wasn't like yeah uh, or did I somebody mean, they, they may have been there but again this is a real company right but the, but but there was not a real mascot like there was no whiz uh, like the whiz was not a character of nobody beats the whiz so it was just sort of like i'm like you know you started like a racking your brain of like wait was there a guy for this like uh you took a real company but made up a mascot that he's supposed to be yeah i i nobody beats maybe the they whiz like the idea that there was no whiz maybe they thought it was funny that there's no whiz uh, I, I, that's a stretch uh nobody beats the whiz <laughs> was the tagline but there was no nobody beats the whiz character right i, I the theme song was very catchy though mm-hmm. <laughs> right right do you remember it yeah Nobody beats the whiz. Nobody Ain't beats nobody the whiz. Nobody gonna beat the whiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, Best Buy, I think, like murdered. Nobody beats the whiz. Yeah, and uh, PC Maybe Richard Target and Son has managed to stay in business in the uh, tri area. Are they area. still around? I don't know how PC Richard is still around. They, they have like a. <laughs> Uh, somehow, like uh, they play that like at Jet Games. I don't know. It's like a rallying cry. They they still play. Yeah, they still play that song <laughs> that at, at Jet Games. Know. It's crazy, right? How do you how do you know that? Because you hear it. From you hear the TV it. You hear you on the game. Games. Yeah, they do play it. It's they. You know. You know what it is? They're just like the only thing they have money to still sponsor is the Jets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably signed like a forty year like four hundred year contract with the Jets, <laughs> and like the Jets can't do anything of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a lot of retail uh, store talk in this episode. All right. So George ends up calling up his parents and uh, that he is uh, getting settled in. And so um, he has to always start off by telling his parents that, that they were right. Again, this seems out of character. Um, but Estelle comes on the call and just is like, oh, Chinese food. And Frank gets off the phone. Sorry, George, our Chinese food just came. Really funny. Like, it's such a good, like, immediate callback. And it's obviously so clearly Estelle. And I like that. Mm -hmm. Frank and Estelle 
are almost like different characters in this episode that it's almost like we throw out the, you know, four plus years of backstory we have on these characters. And all of a sudden they uh, have like this amazing like relationship uh, that they're attached at the hip and they just want to spend all their time with each other. And they have this great love life and they just want nothing to do with George. Mm. So you're saying there's a chance for us at some point in like 30 years. Yeah, I don't (laughs) know. I mean, I think this is a really funny idea that George's parents don't want anything to do with him but it just seems like super out of nowhere right where does it come from but again like if your son was george maybe one day you'd wake up and be like oh, he's kind of he kind of sucks okay so kramer goes back to the pottery barn he throws like all their catalogs in the store he says uh hey you like sending out catalogs how do you like getting them back and there's like no response from anybody at the pottery it's barn. like a timid kramer who doesn't really go in yeah Okay, so George and Jerry are talking and um, Jerry is saying like maybe they did have Chinese food um, and they decide that George should go investigate because where there's Chinese food, there's leftovers. I mean, not for me. I eat everything. You eat everything? There's nothing left? No container? I rarely have leftovers Mm -hmm. of anything. I mean, they just call me the vacuum cleaner here. Anything they don't eat, I finish. You'll take care. You're the closer. Yes. I am I am like the starting pitcher and the closer. I go the full game. Nine in. <laughs> okay. I walked around. We had pizza tonight. They made homemade pizza. And like I was kind of full. And then I walked around like my kids are lunatics who don't eat the crust of the pizza. Mm-hmm. And I just ate like six crusts as I was like, I just like took a plate of six crusts and like brought it back to my office and ate it. Yeah. How was it? Like little kids like slobbered crust. I mean, it was fine. It was it was good pizza. But like that, you know, that that proves I will literally eat anything. I mean, I don't know if that you eat pizza crust proves that you'll eat anything but i don't like eating from other people like little kids mouths who knows what's going on there they go to school all day you know kids go to school when they're sick so Mm -hmm. i don't like sharing germs with like a three-year-old yeah that's uh that's not great if you can avoid it but i risked it because i wanted the crust Mm -hmm. um so then keeve elaine comes in she tells everybody how she's in love laney's in love uh yeah i do like when she calls herself laney yeah nobody really cares george is still talking about the uh chinese food and so elaine says it's like something out of a fairy tale uh jerry has a good callback to say it wasn't whitey fisk was it yeah i like i like the effect that elaine knows who whitey fisk is is insane it's very funny i mean it's a very funny uh callback to uh, you know uh, summer jerry and so, anyway, Jerry asks uh, about, you know, uh, what's going on with you and Putty. So, this is beautiful. You, Putty, and the new guy in a big pot of love stew. Elaine says that, oh, yeah, Putty. Well, I won't fire him until I see if this new guy can handle the workload. Yeah. Thirsty well, Elaine. Yeah. What is Elaine saying here? That she needs to have sex with this guy? Test drive. Yeah. Sure. Really? I mean, that's what she's saying. And again, you know that. Sure, um, it's not crazy. You, you okay? Sure. Uh, again, again. I mean, it's a little base for Elaine to be uh, talking in this manner. But she shouldn't say it. You're saying? Uh, I don't know. You want your you want your women to be a little more ladylike? Is that what you're getting at? I, I mean, it's uh, is it uh, out of character for Elaine? Uh, maybe not. not but really. again, no. A- again. We have talked about Putty and, you know, it seems like the selling point on Putty is not that he's a conversationalist. Sure. Uh, that he's, uh, you know, a hot guy. He's got yeah. Jerry's moves. He's, he's ready game. to go. Uh, yeah. Elaine and Putty. So why would you go from like an eight in the bedroom to a zero? 
Right. Like, I get it. The Wiz has, like, uh, a charming stare. But, I mean, are we... Re- is, if no, I'll- but Putty's really dumb. You're underestimating, like... She breaks up with Putty so much because, like, there's something... You can't have a conversation with him. He's too dumb for a conversation. Fine. I, so I get you're that. You're really deciding between, like, the looks and, like, and the brains. Right. And so, if this guy has nothing going on, you know... It, like anything physical then like fine but if he's a four in the bedroom and he's a as a 10 conversationalist or even a seven but that to me doesn't like, seem like uh if he can handle the workload uh mm. to me it's almost like that hey if you well uh, first i have to see if he's good in bed before i can dump putty that's what i'm saying that's what we're talking about yeah uh i don't know i don't know that uh, feel it fell out of character for elaine I mean, Elaine has very few sponges left. Mm-hmm. All right. So Kramer comes back in. He's got more catalogs. I like that he says, look at this. Omaha Steaks, Mac Warehouse, Newsweek. <laughs> um, so Kramer says he's going to attack this at the choke point, um, which Jerry asks. You're going to stop the mail? Kramer says that's even better. Um, yeah, no, right. Like uh, the idea of stopping the mail. I don't know what when he goes to the mail place. And they say, like, how long do you want to stop it for? Why can't you just say indefinitely? And that's it, right? Because they say, oh, we could stop your mail. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like this whole episode could have been avoided. I don't know if you say indefinitely what the response is. What if you say, like, two weeks and then you just come back and be like, three weeks? You know, you just keep doing it. I guess so. But I think at some point, Wilford Brimley has to talk to you. Yeah. At some point, they send Brimley up from D.C. Yeah. All right. So here's Jerry with Fragile Frankie. And uh, Jerry is asking, where's the car? And he's saying, like, um, hey, don't you remember how cool it was when we used to talk about um, to always have a van? And Jerry says, well, yeah, well, that's because we were 10. And this is the car. This is the car. So this Fragile Frankie, does he work at Saab? Why why is he involved with this? I I think he works at or owns the dealership. Okay. But... But then he realized, maybe he must not own it. He, He just works there. And then he realized he didn't have the authority to promise a sub for one 30 minute standup set that probably earned them like 50 bucks. Right. So he is covering his tracks here and giving Jerry the van, or he's really trying to recapture this like 10 year old fantasy of running away in a van. It's not clear, right? I'd like to think that this van is a lot cheaper than the sub. Although he says the van is two miles on it. So it's a new van, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe he's, maybe it's both. Maybe it's like, we used to talk about the van, but then it's a big coincidence, right? So maybe he's just a screw up and like, he could have bought the sob, but he bought the van instead. I, I don't know. It's, uh, never explained. Jerry does not want the van. Uh, Elaine is saying, no, just tell him you don't want it. And Jerry says, you don't understand. This is fragile Frankie. And we set up that if he gets upset, he runs into the woods and he digs a hole and sits in it. I think, do you, should I ask, should I ask the writer this question? Do I have to ask, uh. What's the question? Um, like, wh- why Why did he buy him the van? Instead I don't of the know sock? how you can answer this question or ask this question in 140 characters. In the episode, all right, Mr. Well, now the, now the names don't cost any letters, right? Mr. Right. Ferriston. Right. Uh, in the episode, the junk mail. Okay. Or in the junk mail. In the junk mail. Why does Frankie, I won't call him Fragile Frankie, okay. you can't waste those letters. Right. Why does Frankie buy Jerry a van and not the sob? Parentheses one slash two, close parentheses. Mm-hmm. Also, tweet two here. Also, 
what is Frankie's relationship with the car dealer? Is he a car dealer? See, I think that's too, that's uh, getting too it's much. Too long. It's too that you can't, like last time you asked him a question, you asked was it a mistake or not about Lipman and Elaine with the and he just responded one word gaff. Yeah, that how mm-hmm. could he respond one like one or two words to this? Yeah. Like yeah. he's only going to like, like we're only worth like 10 characters to him. That's right. That's right. So, all right. So I'm I'm not dying to know. Yeah, this one's not, not keeping exactly me up at night. Episode. Okay. Okay. What what keep what Seinfeld related keeps you up at night other than the fact you still have twenty more of these? Mm, I have to like go back and take a look over the list, and then we could do power okay. rankings of the most important questions. Okay. Fine. Okay. So uh, Elaine sets up. I've got an idea. Why don't you keep the van and get a bumper sticker that says, "If this van's a rockin', don't come a knockin." Um. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. It was like a funny 90s joke. <laughs> I think it was like a 70s joke, and I think it's getting played here. Well, I was—I didn't grow up in the 70s. I still remember hearing about this in the 90s. Like, if someone had a van, you'd make that, uh, right. that pun. Okay. All right. So, George uh, does a pop-in on his parents to check in on the Chinese leftovers. Yeah, you know, I don't know about the parent pop-in. No one's ever done a parent pop-in. I think people could do a parent pop-in. I think, like, you call the parents. Because, you don't know, first of all, you don't know if they're home. I like I don't know they're old, especially like, if it's the I, house I you grew up in. I think people could do the yeah. uh, the parent pop in. The parent pop in. Yeah, I do have a key to my old house, so like I could always like just pop in. Sure. Do you have a key to like back home? Uh, I don't. Just but I if I'm sure if I lived in New York, I would. You'd have a key. Yeah. So like the threat is there that I could always pop in. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess my parents should like know accordingly. Like I might just show up, but I won't. Hmm. Yeah. Um. And then. George is asking them about what's going on. They tell him we have to go to a catered affair. What is that? Nobody's ever called anything like a catered, like like a wedding, a a bar mitzvah. Is it a bar mitzvah? Yeah. I mean, is it a christening? It's something at a catering hall. Could be a christening. Mm -hmm. But like, what is it? Why would you call something a catered affair? Because he's making something up. (laughs) I know. I know. But like, make a better. I guess like it doesn't lead to questions. If he say we're going to a wedding, George would say who's wedding. Yeah. And the Costanzas don't have any friends, so it'd be hard to lie this one away. Yeah. Well, George says, you're going like that. And Frank Costanza says, it's creative black tie. I mean, it's a good, that's like on his feet. That's really smart, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, With the poppin'. George sees no Chinese leftovers. Says, uh, George is getting suspicious. I mean, he should know. Like the second he heard the Chinese thing, he should know she's lying just like I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Game game understands game. Like George should know that she's lying. Well, I wonder if uh, Frank and Estelle invented that. And then that's where George picked it up. It's possible. But like at this point, George is a liar and he should know what lies sound like. Yeah. Okay, uh, Elaine is meeting up with uh, Jack, a.k.a. The Wiz, uh, and uh, he's apologizing that he's late. Uh, we hear the harp again, and then he's going to the bathroom. Yeah, right. He's very classy about it also. Right. And so Elaine picks up the phone to call Putty to say, hey, Putty, we're through. That's right. So he says, I'm going to be in the can. Mm-hmm. And Elaine uses the payphone to call and break up with Putty like, what has she seen this guy? Again, yes, she's transfixed. She has like the glowing harp it thing. Just, it doesn't make any sense. That, like if they want this guy to be a loser, they should have made him a bigger loser. Like he sucks, but he's not like a cartoon level loser like he should have been. Right. And like there should be like something that says like, oh, I just feel like I know him. Is like it's just it's so unclear what the attraction is. It's almost right. like he has like he's like some sort of like a hypnotist. Right. Where he should just, be like, hmm, he looks familiar. I don't even know if you need the harp stuff. 
man, I, I know. And like, is he is he our old friend? Even if it's just like with me, you know, he seems so regal. It just seems yeah. like uh, he seems like a right. prince or so or something where yeah. it's like I that it's we or a don't. Wizard. Uh, we don't know what uh, what spell he seems to have over everybody, and we hear that sound effect, which is, seems to imply that he's, you know, charming uh, the pants off people. Mm-hmm. Literally, here in this case. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So Jerry and Fragile Frankie are in the van checking out the uh, bucket seats there. Um. Jerry's trying to drive it around. Uh. They hear the beeping when he's uh backing up. Jerry is really out on the van, Keith. I mean, who would want a van? Like, parking is the hardest thing in the world in the city. Mm-hmm. So a van is insane. I hear a lot of millennials are living in vans now. Millennials are living in vans? That's what Tyson told me. And maybe in Utah. Yeah. So Not not in New York. Nobody yeah. lives in a van. I mean, like, I'm sure people live in a van, but not millennials. Mm. So Kramer is showing Jerry his mailbox where uh, he's, uh, he's uh, decided to... Uh, brick his mailbox yeah i don't know how he got those bricks in it's an impressive job Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's pretty good and he also like spackled it too whatever that means uh and so jerry's gonna go down to jersey and sell his van uh but kramer's warning him against it you're gonna get ripped off at the dealership keith have you ever sold a car no no my cars always just like die eventually like they they last a long time and then they died yeah and then you just get a new one then you just get a new one yeah um so, but it sounds like a nightmare. It's one of like the things in life I would want to do least. Yeah, it seems like uh, Kramer's pushing Jerry to write an ad. Which again, you got all these people coming to your house, which is really uh, even if you get like uh, a few hundred dollars more, like does not seem worth it. No, I, but also like Jerry's the type to like hate the idea of driving up to Jersey to sell a van. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kramer says, "Okay, let me help you." And Kramer writes this classified ad that he says uh, for sale. A big, juicy van, uh, and you need to put down interesting trades considered. Yeah, I like this idea. Is Kramer playing the long game on him here since he's going to like try and do the trade with Jerry? I don't know. That might be a yeah, better question to ask uh, Spike. Mm-hmm. I think it's like too intricate. And he won't remember that. It's, uh, that's too intricate? Was Kramer always planning on buying the van? Like That's a yes, no yeah, question. No, that's not a bad question. We should just get Spike on, honestly. Yeah, well, if he would come on, but... Uh, we'll see. Michael, come on. I I assume that he's too big for us. You think Spike is too big for us? I mean, at a certain point, he's still, you know, living off the soup Nazi stuff. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, he's got to come back down to earth to the common people. Yeah. 17,000 fans on Twitter. Because then we could get Uh, him into like explaining the whiz stuff. Yeah, I think but he's I, but got a again, new show called Car Matchmaker on the Esquire channel. Like, okay. more people listen to this podcast than watch that show. No, okay, well, the, now you've insulted him. Well, I mean, he won't know that. You know, like, he doesn't He doesn't listen to... If he listens to the show, he should be writing with answers every week. That would yeah. be great, by the way, if, like, we actually had the writers listen. Um, what if... Could we, like, sort of sell it in, like, when Elaine is trying to get Jerry to go to bed with her? And he's like, okay, give me, you know, five minutes. You could read the paper. Could we say to him, like, what, like, will you come on and answer our rapid fire questions? You could be like multitasking. Yeah, we could do that. You could be driving. Right. Yeah. A van even if you want. <laughs> sure. Is he a van guy? Yeah, Spike Ferriston? Yeah. I mean, he probably bought a sweet car after he got the Spike Ferriston show and then it got canceled after like five weeks. What was the Spike Ferriston show? He got his own like it was it was talk like uh, it was like Fox talk show on Saturday night. So it was going to beat SNL. Was gonna Didn't beat, beat SNL? SNL. Yeah. Well, they were hoping. Mm. Okay, so Spike has another episode, the reverse peephole. 
Uh, and, and like then a lot of, everyone has like the episodes at the end that they just give like 10 credits to. I think for the reverse people, we're going to try and get Ferris then on and we'll do rapid fire and I'll come up with questions. Maybe Falconer can help us okay, out. Okay, We'll keep uh, we'll hold our breath for that one. No, I thought, well, I'm going to ask him. Yeah, but uh, that's seven weeks from now. So I think okay. we can get him. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. That would be perfect. All right. So we uh, then see uh, Jerry is checking his own mail uh, and that it's Kramer's junk mail is now in Jerry's mailbox. He is going to go down to the post office now, Kramer, and stop the mail. Yeah, I, I, but I just want to add, Ferriston retweets a lot of Seinfeld-related stuff. So, mm. And like his hashtag, hashtag in his bio and Twitter is Seinfeld writer. Okay. All right, so, so it's not like he's totally over the experience. Okay, good. good. Well, this, this sounds like a perfect guess. Yeah. We might okay. All right. So uh, we have Elaine uh, pop in. And uh, she brings Jack with her. The Jack pop-in. Yeah, a Jack pop-in. And uh, that he ends up uh, even charming Jerry. Uh, well, not literally charming, just like the harping thing. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So, But Jerry has that same reaction. I mean, I feel like when they highlight his face, he actually looks worse, Jack. Uh, I, don't, I really get I just don't know what they're going for. Yeah. Um, so Kramer is at the post office. He'd like to cancel his mail. They said... Uh, you know, you can't do that. Um, and Newman comes over and he says, I'll handle this, Violet. Nobody's canceling any mail. I like the idea that he goes to the only post office. Mm-hmm. And then Newman, like, does a mail route, but also works at the counter a lot of the day. I guess that's what mail people do. Um, yeah, I think you have to get the mail eventually. So maybe he was coming in there to get the stuff. Yeah, but he's not like a counter guy. Right. But uh, maybe there was a lot of buzz about what Kramer was doing. Yeah, it, like the buzz got got newman up from his donuts in the back <laughs> right and so newman says what about your bills kramer says the bank could pay them what about um cards and letters kramer says i've got email telephone fax machines fedex telex telegrams holograms <laughs> okay um newman is trying to help kramer he says look you don't know the half of it just get out of here i beg of you I mean, Newman's def- uh, Kramer's really 20 years ahead of its time. Like, he's so onto it here. Yes. Uh, maybe not so much with the uh, telex and telegrams, but... No, sure. but the holograms are here. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do like uh, how it's sort of like this uh, Big Brother dystopia at the... I'm not talking about the reality show, like 1984-type dystopia at the post office, where uh, Newman is asked, is everything all right here, postal employee Newman? Yeah, I love that. I love that, that they give him his title. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Newman's like, yes, everything's squared away. But Kramer's just blurting out, as long as I stop getting my mail. Right. He's, it's like he's embarrassing Newman in front of his uh, superior. Yeah. Back at the Costanza house, uh, Frank and Estelle come back from the quote unquote catered affair. Uh, George busts them. They say, look, We've had it with you. <laughs> we love you like a son, but even parents have limits. Yeah. I, by the way, this, this is really like we had it with you is really funny. Yeah. I mean, this is a very funny idea. Uh, the breakups, the firings, every Sunday with the calls, we're cutting you loose. I like that he says what my wife is trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> like after saying we love you like a son and then he's saying my wife. Like is George adopted and we don't know about it? I mean, that would be possible, right? Yeah. Um. Frank says, now, if you excuse me, I'm going to make love to your mother. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we are going to lean into that quite a bit here in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Let's lean out. (laughs) Schellenberg opposite style. 
All right. So uh, George is telling Jerry they don't want to see me anymore. He's not ready for this. Yeah, I mean, it's so out of character for them to hate him, but it's even more. This should be like he spent the last eight seasons trying to get rid of them. It's crazy. Right. So he should be thrilled. Again, but this is sort of like a core thing about the core four, where if somebody tells them they can't do something, they don't want them to do something, it only makes them want to do it. Yeah. So George's plan is he has a cousin named Risa. That was that the yep. planet that Picard uh, ended up going to in that episode oh, of Star Trek you watched? Yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> He's going to date it was his cousin. Robin Hoodville. Yes. <laughs> He's going to date his cousin, Keeve. His first cousin, which they don't say right away, but first cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll freak him out. They'll be all over him. Who is this guy? I mean, what's the deal? Are you allowed to marry your first cousin? I mean, uh, I don't think so. I'm not going to Google it because I don't want to get on a list. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> you know what you do? You search on like someone else's computer. Go to yeah. the library and search that. <laughs> search on Nicole's iPad or something. Like you let them marry your cousin. <laughs> and then come back and like, hey, what were you searching? Right. Can I ask like uh, Alexa or uh, Siri? You should that be allowed of, to yeah. ask people to search stuff for you, right? Mm, yeah, no, you should Alexa, be. definitely. Alexa's reporting this right back to like the feds. Uh, well, what if you go to somebody's house and then when they leave the room, you could like ask like uh, your questions to that person's like Alexa. Ask their Alexa. Like are the Alexa <laughs> questions savable? I, don't well, uh, I bet. They, yeah, I'm sure they are. But if you, if you go to somebody else's house. I mean, I'm sure incognito mode is good enough for something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're not like really going to be on a list for marrying your first cousin. You There's, don't like, know that. You don't know you- that. There's much worse things you go. Our like well, great grandparents generation, they all married first cousins. I don't think so. Oh yeah, they definitely back in the first day, cousins? first cousins. That's all they did was marry first cousins. I, I think this is uh, they lived in a little village. A five they didn't know anybody. Take. I guarantee you, you're like great great grandpa sister Nino. Next time you speak to your mom, which apparently is not every week, yeah. Ask her if she has any relatives who married their first cousin. 100% yeah. chance she says yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, Italy, hey mom. Uh, I know this is a kind of an odd question, but uh, <laughs> well, listen, did any of our relatives podcast, marry right? first cousins? <laughs> yeah. She doesn't listen to the show because then she could just answer it. She could just email yeah, us. No, she's end. not listening to the Seinfeld rewatch. Ah, oh, come on, Roseanne. <sighs> All right. All right. So Jerry somehow has a tape of Nobody Beats the Wiz commercials. I don't think it's a tape. What is it? I think it's like an infomercial, and that's why it's still on. An infomercial? That's what I, I, I thought about this all day. I, it's either like a two-minute commercial, that's why it's still on, because they, they watch the commercial, then, or, he, or he, has a, he has it on, maybe he taped a Nick game and it was there, but he would have said that, right? He watches the commercial for like 20 seconds, shuts it off, a link comes in, a minute later turns it on, it's, it, he knows it's on still, right? I thought he rewinds it. Hmm, maybe. You could be right. Yeah, I assumed it was just like a, one of these long commercials or an infomercial that's like a half hour. But so why would a store have an infomercial? It's usually like yeah, I mean the, this doesn't feel Billy like an May's infomercial, Magic right. or something, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, Jerry says to George, "This guy that Elaine is dating seems really familiar to me. I think he might have been a comedian I worked with one time." And he's like fast forwarding like through a tape. I feel like of something. Yeah, you're probably right. You know what's what's funny is like. The, 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 like the max of the millennials of the world won't remember this, but if you wanted to hear a song back in the day, unless you wanted to like buy the whole album or something, and you had to have somebody come to your house and play it for you. Or what I would do when I was like 12 years old is I had a boom, like a big boom box stereo player. Yeah. And I would have a tape in 
And like the second a song came on that I liked, I'd immediately press on the radio, play and record. Yeah. On the radio. Yeah. And like, it would, you know, on K-Rock 92.3 and it would record it and then I'd shut it off and then I'd have, you know, you'd always miss the first five seconds of the song because you'd have to like run, press the buttons. But then you'd have that song and sometimes like the tape would side would end and you would right. be ready for it. But or you could have I a friend like, that had like the tape or the CD and then you could like record that if you had like one of those things with two cassette uh things you could put in right like you i'd go to summer camp and i'd be like "Ooh, you have like the new green day album i'll give you like the old offspring album and we'll trade for an hour Mm -hmm. sure i'd say like it was we really grew up in essentially closer to the stone age than now (laughs) right right um so we see the commercial and we see the guy jack and he's like bouncing around with like a scepter and a crown and he's saying um uh nobody beats me i'm the whiz i'm the whiz uh yeah i do like i like the fact that he's like a goofball in the in the commercials one of the funny things about nobody beats the whiz is uh i remember reading this in the new york times article when i was a kid they not only do they not have like a mascot like there was no whiz but they their whole like marketing campaign was built upon. I think I even mentioned this once on the show, okay. on the podcast. Their whole their whole marketing campaign was based on um, the Founders Day sale. They would like you know like everyone you'd have to you know go and go and like buy stuff on Founders Day. They had much better deals, but they wouldn't tell you who the founder was. There was no like face mm. to it. So in the article, I just called up PC Richard or P Peter Richard is like it doesn't make any sense. You have to let the people know you are. Like, we have pictures of the Richard family. It's bizarre. Exactly. It's bizarre that they spent $45 million on advertising in-house, it says. But they would not talk to they would not talk to uh, the, the New York Times. And they said uh, they were only off the record even answering anything. It was a private company. Um, they didn't even know who owned it. It ended up being a family of... Uh, of Syrian Jews, much like Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. um, the Jamal family. Yeah. Um, but they would not talk about um, about like who owned it or who the founder was, even though everything was like founders, they sale. Um, and then the article mentions Crazy Eddie, who uh, was sort of like the competition to them, like the smaller competition. Yeah. So you're saying that's why PC Richard stayed in business because they. Yeah, let- because they put a face to the name and, and, and there was no whiz. If what they should have done is gotten this dorky guy to be the whiz. <laughs> I feel like Kramer would have been a better whiz. Like Kramer, if you had a company, Kramer would have been a good whiz. Mm, I mean, at a certain a while. point, it would have gone very south. Yeah. You would have lasted longer than if with this doofus. <laughs> yeah. When did nobody beats the whiz go out of business? Like for the, I went out of business a couple times. They went to like website only for a while, but I like probably like the mid like 2000s, like 2005 or six. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What, what, yeah, was the store the Wiz or Nobody Beats the Wiz was the... the... The store was Nobody Beats the Wiz, and I believe they changed it to the Wiz before they... Yeah, uh, 1998, they changed to the Wiz. Yeah, so then they got... Uh, that was going to save them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 2004, I guess, uh, did they... Um, this is online retailer owned by PC Richards. Did they get bought out by PC Richards? Yeah, PC Richards must have must have bought them out before yeah, they because the 2003 was last year. Yeah, they closed in 2003. So Nobody beats the Wiz. They wouldn't have been affected by the, the Wiz.com. Uh, their website is a bad gateway. It does not bring you anywhere. Okay. All right. So 
uh, they figure out that this is the guy. Uh, George says that uh, Elaine's in love with the whiz guy. Uh, and Jerry, I guess, gives us the closest to an explanation of what's going on here. He says, no, she thinks she's in love with him, but she's just remembering this old commercial. Right. He's like he's mansplaining what's going on. But I'm <laughs> buying it. Uh, George says, uh, that's pretty pathetic. Uh, and I think that Jerry has a good line here. He says, uh, I know they're not even related. Right. That is a good joke. Yeah. There's uh, a for a bad episode. There's a lot of good jokes in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are. You know, the plot does not hold a lot of water for me. No, but uh, there there are some really good lines along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then also um, we see Jerry say to George, OK, have fun at the family reunion. Right. It's just a joke between them. Like the other people don't even know about it. Elaine doesn't know about it. Yeah. Uh, so Elaine comes in and talks about Jack. Isn't he the best? Uh, Jerry says, yeah, nobody beats him. Uh, and Elaine talks about how he's a fact checker for New York Magazine. It's not much, but there's a, a quiet dignity to him. Right. That's a certain type of job where it's like it's not an embarrassing job, but you also get paid like $20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, quiet dignity for uh, Jack. And then we see uh, Jerry put the commercial back on of uh, nobody beats me because I'm the whiz. I'm the whiz. Wait, you know what? Because he had stopped being the whiz, he must have had this tape from like an old Nick game and then like called up the tape and found it. That's what had to have happened. Mm-hmm. But right? why? That's would why you, he's fast forwarding. Why is he searching for him on a tape of an old he Nick game? He must have remembered and said, let me find it. And so he went through his old games because they used to advertise everywhere. And he found that nobody beats the wisdom. He commercial. thinks he's a comedian that he worked with. He but doesn't at a think that point he, it must have clicked. Uh, he must be like going through like his comedy shows. And this was a commercial Maybe. that was on during the comedy shows. Like he's not like Maybe. saying, like, hey, I think you that think he, he found just, it accidentally. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. It, it, no, it was totally an accident because he's not saying I think that this, he was the spokesperson for everybody beats the whiz. Let me go through my old Nick game tapes. Right. But it's all in one scene. You're right. That's even more insane. Right. Right. He, he's not. You're right. He's not looking for it. And then he and then he sees it. So Pre-Google, pre-YouTube. Too- there's a uh, like this might be the most unrealistic thing that's ever happened on the show. Yeah, that's true. That's crazy. <laughs> all right. Because, listen, if he was on the commercial, like those commercials popped up all the time. But he's not the whiz anymore. Unless my here's my. Is it possible they still use the commercials, but he was fired. Mm. So this was like an active commercial from that week. But. He wasn't getting paid anymore or like they have to pay you if they're still airing the commercials. I don't know if they still need to pay you if you were an actor that got hired. Like I don't think you get right. royalties. Maybe like a very small stipend when it airs, but nothing like. Right. That's my guess. That's what I'm sticking with. OK, so right. if we had Ferris in here, he'd really. Yeah, I mean, he could solve this all in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. We would have been done with the episode. Yeah. All right. So Jerry gets a phone call. Is the van still for sale? Kramer comes rushing. And yeah, I called about the van. Yeah, I'm this is this is really like if Kramer did this intentionally, he's a genius. Yeah, um, it is uh, a pretty funny idea of uh, Kramer trying to buy the van from Jerry. Uh, Mm. You know, I had forgotten about that detail uh, and I thought it was funny uh, upon seeing it there. So we see George on the date with his cousin, Risa, and um, we see, you know, true sitcom fashion that George thinks that she's going to be horrified about this. She's going to narc on him. And he says, I always found you very attractive. She wants to know, oh, you trying to borrow money? And George says, no, we should be together. And she says, OK, let's go for it. It's funny because like the Reese is not they 
like you think when you don't see Reese, you think like, all right, she's going to be like a two, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like, oh, she's going to be so like they have to make clear that she's just desperate for George. But she's a very n- normal looking lady. Mm-hmm. So the only quirk they give her is that she's like an alcoholic, right? Um, is she an alcoholic? Yeah. yeah uh, she keeps drinking. And then when they find when they find um, she's the drinking wine coolers uh, later on the episode. Right. I th- I they, they're going... they fi- right. When they find the Costanzas in the van, she immediately like gulps down a whole thing. Yeah. I-, I thought that they were going more for that. She's trashy. But maybe I guess it could be both things. A little bit of both. Yeah. OK. I mean, she's related to the Costanzas. She can't be like. She's not British royalty, you know? Right. Um, so Kramer's out on the street with Jerry and uh, Kramer uh, is like acting like he's buying the used car. Uh, wants to know how are you selling it? Um, how many miles? And uh, Kramer ends up breaking the antenna. Did you like this scene? Yeah, I like what he says. How many miles? Jerry says two. Kramer's like city or highway. Yeah. Uh, Jerry only has so much patience uh, for this. Uh, and then finally he asks, okay, okay, fine. What do I have to do to put you in this van today? Yeah. So he, all right. He offers him the, the Anthony Quinn undershirt. Yeah. It's a funny idea, but a, this is another underbaked, like not well-developed thing. Right. Well, because the next time we see it, it's like they've made the deal and they go back and they hadn't really made the deal. It's too confusing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that I do like the setup here of Kramer says, well, I don't really have any money, but it says right here, interesting trades considered. Yeah, that's uh, really funny. And Jerry snaps, you put that in. Yeah, that's funny. And the, uh, the audience knows that. So it's a good joke. Yeah. And so uh, the Anthony Quinn undershirt, uh, Jerry says, that's disgusting. It's my final offer. I mean, I, I that part didn't bother me. It's like that later on that Jerry gets mad that I think Kramer thought Jerry accepted his offer, but he certainly did not. Right. Right. And by the way, the Anthony Quinn undershirt is aged poorly because who cares about Anthony Quinn? anymore? <laughs> yeah. OK. Um Putty is back with Elaine uh, temporarily, and uh, he's sort of uh, really appalled that he was dumped for some idiotic TV pitch man. Yeah, I mean, Putty's feelings are hurt. It's usually like I think Elaine breaks up with Putty a lot more than Putty breaks up with Elaine. But, you know, here it's it's hard to it's hard to lose a one on one battle to this dweeb. Yeah. Uh, Putty says, um, you know, what if we're out somewhere and uh, we see the Maytag repairman? It's a good joke. Yeah. All right. So Putty is leaving. That's right. Um, And uh, that Elaine says, uh, because uh, Putty called him an idiotic uh, pitchman. Uh, Elaine says he's not idiotic. He's the whiz and nobody beats him. Nobody. She's so into the whiz. Like she was embarrassed that he's the whiz and now she's back into it. Yeah. So Kramer is on the street. He's got the van and he's handing out some anti-male propaganda. Male's evil. Yes. Okay. Uh, male blows, he says. Yeah. I mean, this scene to me is like wacky. The bucket is way- weird. Yeah. Well, explain the bucket. I mean, he is a, du- a male dummy with a bucket on his head. Right. A male person, uh, a, a postal delivery employee with a bucket on their head. Well, I hope it's a man. You don't put bucket on women's head. That, that's, you know. Why, why is it okay to put a bucket on a man's head? I mean, if you have to do one or the other, I feel like you got to put the bucket on. I, I thought you were living in this post-gender society. Yeah, but I would hit a guy. I wouldn't hit a woman. Like, there's still, there's still oh, rules. Easy, uh, Evander Holyfield. <laughs> I, why easy? I mean, I wouldn't hit really hit a guy, but I mean, if I had a choice between a guy and a girl. Um, yeah. Uh, Fragile Frankie comes both over. Both genders have in common. They could beat me up. That's yeah. basically what's going on. Fragile Frankie sees the van um, and uh, says, hey, isn't this Jerry Seinfeld's van? Uh, Kramer says, no, not anymore. He traded it to me for some Hollywood memorabilia. I don't love Fragile Frankie, but I do love the name Fragile Frankie. Yeah. 
Fragile Frankie, um, you know, is is a little like one note cartoony, um, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, there could have been a little more to him. Yeah. And so uh, he ends up running away. He's very upset about the whole thing. Runs to the woods or the park. Yeah. Okay. So we see George back with Jerry. He's explaining uh, what's going on. Bad news. Risa is into it. She's been leaving dirty messages on his answering machine. She wants to keep Um, it quiet. Yeah. Which really defeats George's (laughs) purpose. Yeah. Okay. So Kramer ends up coming in. He's carrying the uh, male person uh, with the bucket. Um, they, again, you know, he keeps getting asked about why is the guy wearing a bucket? Um, you know, he explains before, cause we're blind to their tyranny. He says, shouldn't we be wearing the bucket then? Yeah. It's confusing. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so Jerry wants the van keys back. Kramer says, I thought we made a deal for Quinn's t-shirt. Right. He, right. He thought, right. He already had the van thinks the deal went through and obviously Jerry was not into yeah, Jerry it. Jerry says, are you insane? Um, the problem is Kramer told Frank Costanza he could borrow it so he can move. And he just says Frank, by the way, which is confusing because there's a Frankie in this episode. Another bad name. Mm-hmm. Like it should have been fragile. I don't know. Yeah. Frank yeah. That's, I, I, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh, so he wants to. Frank Costanza needs to move some of George's stuff into storage. What stuff of George's? I don't know. We see the stuff in the room. Maybe the pool table. That's There's George's a lot of stuff, stuff in George's room. I mean, I don't know, just like George's room. Yeah, I mean, they already turned his room into the place to be, right? Yeah, so now, right, now maybe like it's the attic and there's just a lot of junk that where his like Frank shirts used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so George says he's picking up the van tonight. This is perfect. I'll drive. Risa's it's a very complicated plan just to get everyone in the same place at the same someplace time. Someplace romantic. Way. And then when my father slides the door open, like it's just, it doesn't make any sense in terms of like if he's picking up a van from kramer what does kramer say that oh uh yeah the van's in the middle of central park uh it makes no sense like why are they all getting themselves into this place like yeah they should he should bring the van to frank's house and then he should bring it out and then like george and risa should be making out in the back or something yeah that if they want to just like come into the extensive house holding hands or something like that dating right um Frank Costanza would say later on in the episode, oh, I see why he parked it out here. No meters. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's in Frank Costanza logic. But why George thinks that that's a valid plan, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what the what like how badly Frank needed to get rid of stuff. That he's willing to pick up a van in the middle of Central Park with his wife in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. Right. So like you imagine trying to sell this to your wife like we're going to go to Central Park and it's going to be like 11 o'clock. Don't worry about it. We just really got to get our son's stuff out of the bed. Yeah, we're going to move a van. Look, Estelle right now that uh, her and Frank are uh, deeply in love. She'll follow him. Yeah, yeah. She, they're, they're, she's come with lady right now. Like She's not I leaving know. him alone. Yeah. Um, so Kramer says that Fragile Frankie or your friend came by and and he said that uh, he bought the van from Jerry. Uh, and then uh, Jerry says, oh, no, he's going to the hole in the woods. Yeah. Digging the ditch. Digging the ditch. OK, so. uh Kramer ends up uh, driving the van. Newman comes up to him and says, like, hey, um, I have to tell you something. Uh, Kramer thinks he wants to talk about the bucket still. He says, no, that here's what's going to happen to you on a day just like today. Somebody's going to come up to you. It might be a male person that you know and maybe even somebody that you trust. And they're going to try to give you a ride. And then uh, nobody's ever going to see you again. And Kramer's not buying it. And then Newman sees like these like Matrix type guys and yeah. says, uh, quick, you know, hurry up. Uh, you know, um, 
you know, let me in. Uh, and Kramer says, oh, no, that's how you said it was going to go down. Now, Newman is actually trying to save Kramer here. He's trying to. Yeah. But, but he, there's no reason for Kramer to know that. But Newman is like being so coy and cryptic about everything. Like, what is he talking about where he says, you know, I'm telling you as a friend um, that there's a mail truck and it might be somebody, a male person that, you know, and yeah, maybe no, even somebody confusing. It trust. doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. how many other male people does Kramer know? Right. That's what he's saying. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. So um, it doesn't make any sense. And the uh, uh, Kramer ends up getting grabbed by the guys. The Matrix dudes. Yeah, the Matrix guys. <laughs> Agent Smith. All right. Uh, so Jerry is wandering around Central Park. He finds uh, some guy who's, like, digging uh, a grave. Yep. There's some weird Edgar. You know, freaks in Central Park. Okay. All right. And... So uh, Jerry ends up uh, stumbling upon Frankie, who's digging a hole. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Central Park is small. It's easy to just to run into people. Or, or uh, Jerry doesn't find any up, but there's Frankie digging a hole. Okay, so George and Risa are uh, in the van. Uh, George, uh, like, um, trying to uh, like shades of like uh, Marty McFly at the dance in like Back to the Future, waiting for like his dad to come open the car door. Like, our, yeah, uh, you know, okay, let me just uh, you know uh, bide my time here. But um, you know, uh, Risa is ready to park in the van. Uh, yes, she's ready to. Uh, yeah, he should have. He should have uh, stopped short. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Frankie comes running up, and uh, he sees Jerry's van. Um, I think this is a pretty funny thing that happens. Uh, and he says, uh, Seinfeld's van, Seinfeld's van. And George says, I think he's saying son of Sam. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he, it's not a bad like it's, it, you know, it's like a pretty good catch by the writers to like make that sort of. Call. Yeah. Um, this might be the most inspired thing in this episode. Yeah. Um, and then Reese is saying, no, they caught him. And George says, I knew it wasn't Berkowitz. And he runs out into the woods. She chases after him. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we see Elaine, um, and, uh, she's back with Jack who says that they're bringing him back. He's the whiz again. Yeah. So they're back together and he's back as the whiz. And as every pitch man does, like I'm sure Mr. Met goes around with his mr met hat i'm, the the brings his I'm hat mr everywhere. met yeah so he is uh bragging about how he's the whiz nobody kid, beats me yeah when you were like early 20s you would have loved being mr met right mm, if i would have loved being mr met you don't think you would i feel like you would have been a good mr met no well nobody could be better than aj mass no but i feel like you had an in you could you know i don't know you i, I think you would have been oh, a good what, what in what did saying. i have I don't know. You know AJ Mass. I know him now. I didn't know him when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I feel I'm just saying you might have been a good Mr. Met. You know, uh, nobody <laughs> was like, uh, you know, like uh, I had no no into anything. I still I, ba- I barely have an in now. OK, so yeah, I don't, sometimes I feel like I don't have an in with my own family. I know <laughs> how you feel right. All right. So Jerry finds Frankie in the hole. Uh, and, uh, Jerry says, uh, no, I don't hate the van. Uh, you know, um, let's go for, let's go for a ride. Let's get out of here. Yeah. He's good at, he's, he's really concerned with Frankie's feelings. He doesn't want Frankie, his old friend to like kill himself basically. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this question and tell me if this is maybe out of character. Um, Mm. does Jerry do anything wrong by Frankie in this episode? 
No, he's really good to Frankie. I mean, that, you know, this is supposed to be a show about these irredeemable people. Uh, Jerry, other than the fact that he actually wants a sob, um, you know, you could say that he is greedy. Which he promised. Like, it's not his, it's not really. Right. He knows it was a crazy deal. He says it, right, for 30 minutes of crowd work. But, like, he doesn't know. He actually is one of Jerry's better episodes in terms of being a human being, for if, sure. If Jerry was the nicest person on Earth, what would he have done differently in this episode no, in no, regards no. to Frank? He's great. Yeah, no. I mean, he maybe would never have even asked about, like, the van. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, he's an incredibly good guy. Yeah, he's kind of rubbing Elaine's nose in the uh, Nobody Beats the Whiz stuff. But, I mean, that's not even that bad. No. Okay. All right. So Frank now with Estelle uh, finds the van uh, and they are concerned. Why did uh, Kramer park in the woods? Frank says, oh, because there's no meters out here. Uh, And Frank sees that this van has seats that recline. uh, And he says to Estelle, uh, hey, look at this. Hoochie mama. Another good callback to last week. Solid line. Solid line. All right. Uh, Kramer is interrogated by the Postmaster General, played by Wilford Brimley. Mm-hmm. Whoever that is. Why is Kramer so intimidated here? I don't know. He seems like a nice guy, Wilford Brimley. He's annoyed that he had to stop playing golf with the Secretary of State. Yeah. Like, if he's threatening, it's in the most, like, minor of ways. Yeah. No, listen. The Matrix guys were scary. Now you've gotten to the good guy. Basically. I mean, it's not. He's not even, like, cracking his knuckles or anything or, like. Yeah. No, usually uh, the final boss, it's, like, you know, Big Bertha or whatever. This is, like, King Koopa. This is, like, this guy is, you know, one of the, like, one of the flying. Right. He's, he's just, like, impl- like, I don't know why Wilford Brimley is so intense. And Kramer is terrified. Yeah. Okay, um, and Kramer gets back on the straight and narrow, and uh, they end up uh, with the Matrix guys bringing in Newman with a bucket on his head. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Newman's in big trouble here. Yeah, I don't know what Newman did necessarily. It's amazing we ever see Newman again after this. Yeah, maybe they found out about the storage bin that he had filled with mail. I mean, yeah, Newman. They do have a lot of dirt if they really investigate Newman. Yes, uh, Newman says, uh, "Tell the world my story." Sounds like something they say in Hamilton. Yeah. Um, so uh, we see uh, Jerry and George, and uh, they've uh, met back up with Frankie. Uh, and uh, it's the summer George, not the summer of George. Not the summer of George, okay. yeah. And so uh, we see that the van is moving, uh, and uh, George doesn't know what's going on. He says, uh, that van is a rockin'. And Jerry says, uh, well, don't go a knockin'. Uh, Jerry seemed to uh, have some sort of an inkling into what was going to go on. Right. I mean, what's best case scenario? It's like two hobos in the van. Like, you don't want to see that either. Right. And so Estelle yells out, oh, my God. George yells, oh, my God. Uh, Frankie says, uh, now nah, you got to sell this van. Yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, no question. You have to sell the van. Mm-hmm. I feel like at this point, George's relationship with his parents should be over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he should disown them. Yeah. Yeah. Yet he's back in the kitchen in the tag. And, yes. um, you know, um, well, they make him come back. He's like punished. Yeah. Um, and Frank is explaining what you saw there was a natural expression of a man's love for his lady. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I do like that he gets the birds and, birds and the bees talk like uh, 30 years too late. Yeah. Um, Estelle says, your father's right. It was beautiful. And, and Frank says, and it was safe. What, what is what is he <laughs> implying there? 
I don't know. I don't think Estelle could become pregnant, so they could do whatever they want. <laughs> That's so. Okay. Um, and Frank says, if you excuse me, once again, your mother and I, uh, and uh, again, boy, I mean, uh, did uh, Frank Costanza just discover the Viagra? I think it's Viagra. I think this is the Viagra episode. Vi- so when does Viagra uh, drop? Uh, let's see. So, uh, like, I need to see the uh, Viagra Wikipedia. Yeah. You got to, this is another thing, maybe just, uh, you know, incognito this. Because if your wife sees this, you might have bigger problems. Okay. So, 98. So, the, he, you know what he is? He's one of, like, the test, test subjects for Viagra. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So and it's working too well on him. Working too well. Got to slow it down, Frank. Uh, Seinfeld could have easily done uh, a Viagra plot in season 10. Yeah, season 10 would have had one, but this is one I think we just don't realize yet. Right. Uh, that would be a good podcast if, like, after we got through the episodes, we just did, like, uh, like the top 10, like, rejected Seinfeld plot lines from season 10. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, but Viagra definitely would be up there. Who would be taking it? Hmm. <sighs> mm. I think George takes it by accident. Yeah. What if Elaine is dating a guy who uh, gets and then uh, she's like, uh, you know, it's it's too much. She needs to like she's at his beck and call. Yeah, right. Right. She used to like she used to get a break. Yeah, no, for sure. That's good. Um, And then and and, and Jerry and George. Uh, well, actually, is it pre and again, uh, 98, like we have the like uh, there's no performance enhancing drug talk yet. I guess then uh, the ball is juiced at this. Right. Uh, there's at this cre- point. Well, there is a little creatine, though. Yeah. So, um, again, this is sort of like, you know, McGuire and Sosa are breaking all the home run records. And uh, I feel like there's something there. No, definitely. I think we're working on something. Um, the the uh, there is another tag, actually. The two deleted scenes are interesting. One, because it's kind of funny, and the other one, because it's it, it looks like it should have been the final tag of the episode, and they took it out. The first one is, Elaine is so frustrated in Monks. This must have been the opening, because it has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Elaine's in Monks with Jerry. She's so frustrated that she doesn't get coffee, that she goes behind the counter. And Jerry says, oh, you've been saying that for 10 years. He, she goes behind the counter, pours herself coffee, but then in the middle, Jerry yells, there's a lady getting coffee, and Elaine sort of like goes crazy, you know, like throws the coffee and hides behind the thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it has nothing to do with the plot, but it's kind of funny. And then the scene at the end that they probably cut that was the original tag was you see Elaine and Jack in the van. Jack now has bought the van from uh, Jerry and he's driving it. And and Elaine said, like, let's, you know, he's he's wearing the the um, whiz crown, the whiz stuff. And, and he says, like, oh, you know, Elaine says, let's go. I'm sick of this. She says, I got one more hour. And Jack is like on duty as the whiz driving around like he's converted the van to a nobody beats the whiz van. And he's like getting out in the middle of the street and dancing that he's the whiz. And Elaine like breaks up with him over the loudspeaker of the van. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not funny or like the cleanest like, you know, scene in terms of like how, how it ends the episode. But probably is a better tag than what we saw. Just that he's going, he's working at Nobody Beats the Wiz and uh, driving the van. No, he's the Wiz and she breaks up with him because, like, he's such a, you know, a dweeb, I guess. Like, we could have seen that instead of, yeah. I don't know. Like, the whole, the thing, something like, we haven't seen this a lot. Uh, let, let's talk about the storylines because okay. I'll, I'll get into that with the storyline. Yeah. I mean, overall, I think that this is um, definitely, there are some high points and some funny moments along the way. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, the plot, and, you know, the individual storylines. I think this is one of the weaker episodes we've done in a while. 
I agree. It's funnier than most of whatever it's in the bottom. It's funnier than all. Yeah, it depends on how you rate an episode, because I feel like if it was just like high highs. Joke for joke, it's in the middle, probably. And and like LOLs. Right. Uh, There are some really strong jokes here. But in terms of like. But judging by the plot, it's like bottom five. You know, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, like we could throw out uh, a few of these stories. Okay, Uh, Jerry ends up with uh, Fragile Frankie. Okay, so I think, you know, we've been mixing it up a little bit in season nine. Instead of doing zero, one, two stars, let's do um, different types of junk mail. So, uh, I think the I'm out on story this. Storyline is bills. Okay. Then the second worst is uh, catalog. Then above that is magazine. And the best type of the best thing you could get in the mail is a paycheck, even though now it's mostly direct deposit. But 97, they were getting paycheck. So bills, catalog, magazine, paycheck. Okay. Those are our levels for this okay. episode. Uh, this was, uh, and, and then could I, like, um, this is uh, past due bills for me. So you, this is below zero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what is the upside here of that? There's no ending. That's the problem. Is there's no ending? Like there's no story like, here. Should have killed himself. Yeah, here. it's like that. It's a funny idea that this guy is like this loser from high school, but it doesn't go anywhere. The name for you know, like the the Frankie name is funny, right? Yeah, it's a but funny then, name. But- I, I guess it's a like that they have a character trait that he gets upset and he digs a hole in the woods and buries himself. Yeah, and it's funny that he still does it 30 years later. But right. It doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. It has no conclusion. There's no like, payoff see, other than no payoff. that they that Jerry has a van in this episode. Yeah, they like sort of become friends. It's like Jerry. Right. It, it's almost bad. Like you say, like, oh, Jerry was nice to him. Yeah, but that's out of character. And then it doesn't end with anything like they yeah. end up being friends. Like we should almost see Frankie next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that uh, it's problematic. OK. Uh, what about George wants to break up with his or his parents want to break up with him? I think it's pretty funny. It's pretty original. I like the subplot within that plot of him wanting to date his cousin. I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, it didn't stand out as being memorable to me, but it was definitely funny the way that it played out. Uh, Frank has some really good lines in that episode. Yeah. Like even Estelle saying the Chinese food in the background makes me laugh. Yep. Uh, it's out of character for the Costanzas, but I'll say it's a check. Maybe not a big one, but a check. Yeah, I'll give it a, a, a magazine plus, like a really good magazine. Great magazine. Like, uh, um, you know, Hunter's Weekly or something. Hunter's Weekly. I don't know. I don't know what magazines exist anymore. I, I thought you were going to say uh, one of your uh, adult male magazines that come in the plastic wrap. Oh, no, I don't. I don't get those. Okay. I don't even get the swimsuit issue. Okay. Whoa. Why? You're not um, allowed? It's uh, it's it's Esquire. Esquire. No, my mom would throw it out. Okay. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, what about Elaine with the Wiz? Yeah, uh, the Wiz dancing for two seconds is kind of funny. Like her finding out these, the Wiz is kind of funny, but the Wiz is a zero. This is a letter from the IRS that you've been audited. <laughs> yeah, and that you owe like a million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> the worst the IRS audit notice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a the only bill I could think it's a, of. Worse it's a than court that. subpoena. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right um it, yeah i i have nothing else to say here about elaine it's with a the really wins. bad storyline right agree. uh maybe the worst kramer's yet right? right here's kramer kramer wants to cancel the mail no i don't like it yeah what is it it's a bill also it's a bill i mean it's funny to see wilford brimley for two seconds that song that scene even probably goes like a beat too long 
the, the the scene on the street with Newman doesn't make any sense. The scene where he's protesting, like the stuff with Jerry's fine, like where he's like selling the car to himself. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's sort of tricking Jerry to sell the car. But anything related to the mail is is a total zero. It's 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 like a 50 pound junk mail. Not only is it junk mail, it's like a like a yellow pages you don't need that you have to like you also have to like throw it out and you don't have room for it. Right. Oh, I hate getting these yellow pages. Yeah. I don't know if they still do them. But. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, that's what, you know, the green movement really needs to be working on that. That's that's the biggest thing that they need to. Uh, yeah, that is a lot of trees. That's yeah. true. So I would say that uh, this is a bill. It's probably if I was going to rate the three bad storylines, I think I'd probably say uh, in order of preference, uh, Kramer, Jerry, Elaine. Yeah. George is obviously the best storyline. I'm going to say Jerry, Elaine, Kramer, Jerry, Elaine, Kramer. Okay. Wow, so you like the whiz more than the male stuff? Yeah, the male stuff stinks. Yeah, well, I guess nobody beats the whiz, right? No, nobody beats the whiz, okay. except for the Georgia storyline. Okay, all right, uh, Keeve. Now, in the rankings, uh, I gotta say this is probably outside the top 100. Is it the top? Mm-hmm. Is it outside the top 125? Uh, I'll say it's uh, 119. No, it's way down. There's still a couple spots up high that we haven't filled. Uh, so this is all the way down at 142. 142. Wow. But again, much funnier than some of the episodes in the 130s and the 120s. But it's just a mess that they could have fixed up. And it just seemed a little rushed, this episode. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here we go. And uh, let's go ahead and dive into our mailbag for the junk mail. The junk mailbag. All right. Yes. Keeve, uh, Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, but I'm sure that all of our listeners know this already because uh, new listeners aren't allowed to listen to the podcast. Okay. Uh, That's right. Johnny DeSavera says, uh, what's your go-to line to get off the phone with someone that you don't want to talk to? Ooh. Now, Johnny, you've listened to every episode of this show. He, he must know I don't answer the phone. Like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm never on the phone. Six <laughs> minutes in, in the month of February or something like that yeah. on the phone. So yeah, this is a better question for Rob. You have a small, you run a business. Yeah. You have to be on the phone sometimes with people. Yep, that's true. Um, if I need to get off a phone call, I just, uh, you know, just try to be like, uh, you know, I try to be as respectful as I can, but it's tough. I would say I probably. Now, up, you could say, like, I have a heart out in eight minutes because I have a podcast. I need to do, to do that more. I need to do that more. Um, do it more. Yeah. But I would say that I end up saying, like, uh, all right, well, uh, you know, you know, I got Let me get back to everything. You should be more like Rebel Wienicker, like we discussed. Literally, just hang up when you have, when you're done with what you have to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 tough. It's 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 tricky, and, and I'm also bad at the stuff. I I feel like I sort of like uh, you know, I, I wish I could be one of these people to have like you know five minute conversations, like boom, boom, boom. But you know, I don't want to rush. Yeah, people. but you could also get started. Like you'll say like goodbye or let's do something, and then you'll go on for ten more minutes. Yeah, no, I'm I'm part of the problem. Definitely, you are. That's true. Yeah. Okay. All right, Vicky. Vicky. So she just wanted to let us know the scene between Kramer and Newman when Newman's driving the truck and he's giving Kramer's speech about how things are going to go down is practically the same speech that Max von Sydow gives to Robert Redford in Three Days of the Condor. 
It sounded familiar, and she knows it because it's one of her favorite okay. movies. So, all right, so Are you familiar with this? No, film? I'm not. So, so okay. So we'll say that uh, they were going for something here, not something that you or I was familiar with, uh, probably right. as teenagers uh, watching this show, uh, not in the target yeah. demo for Seinfeld. No, and listen, this is a point in Chuck Lorre's favor. You shouldn't be like. This a bad scene shouldn't be like, oh, but we were trying to copy like a 1975 Sidney Pollock movie. Mm-hmm. OK. I also think every movie in the 70s had Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway in it. Um, Sure. That I mean, sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. OK. I mean, Faye Dunaway, nobody heard from her from like 1990 till she messed up the Oscars a few months ago. Right. Uh, Mike C says apparently Pottery Barn was a big deal in the late 90s. Both Seinfeld and Friends had episodes about it. Can you guys think of any businesses that are the butt of jokes on a lot of shows today? Hmm. Are the Mets a business? Mm. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uber is in the news. They're, yeah. like, kind of, they're like a punching bag right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of these like apps and stuff like that, uh, I think are probably. Um, things that you would see now in terms of a store um i don't know uh it's like whatever chain restaurants in the news for something bad like chipotle or talk you know like they have some sort of like thing that's that's you know that'll be in the news like a taco bell or they'll find something in there sure um like a real like myspace was a company that was a big joke for a while but now you can't really make myspace jokes anymore Mm -hmm. it's usually like the last app that died like it was pets.com and then you know a hundred more things after that, but you have to sort of I, like right now, I guess Twitter, but now maybe Twitter's back. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, are they back? I don't know. I feel like the president's on it all day. So everyone's got to be like your Twitter is awful, but you're also like an idiot if you're not on Twitter, because like everything's going on there. And like, if you like, if you don't like news, then God bless you. But like, if, if you like news, it's so much faster on Twitter than anywhere else. It's, it's insane to not be there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you also waste your life there. So it's probably smart to not be there. I'm not sure. Oh yeah. You waste a lot of time there. Especially if you follow 2,500 people. Yeah. Okay. Um, there we go, Keeve. Uh, how about from that? I, I got that. Uh, don't think that uh, that went unnoticed. All right. <laughs> unnoticed. It was very. Book. There's only two people on this show. <laughs> Put that in, right, right in my. Right, I'm writing that one down. Okay. Lindsay says, what was your favorite shortened version of a word? Personally, I'm not a fan of preach. Do you have a uh, least favorite shortened word? Yeah, well, in the hot takeoff, I went after za for pizza yes, yes. and ship for championship. I have a couple more. I really, I, I just saw this a couple hours ago. Had I thought about it longer, I would have had like a list of like 100. Because there is words that I see on Twitter that like actually make my blood boil. Like I have to like get up and walk around. Yeah, like what? This one, I'm not sure if this is a shorthand so much as this might be a Britishism or an Australianism. But preggers for pregnant really bothers me. Mm, why? Because... Uh, your it wife. sounds stupid. Yes. Oh, I'm going to give you another one, but this isn't a shortened word. I know we have a lot of Australian listeners. We might not have any after this. Cheeky is a really bad word, and they shouldn't use it. It what? sounds like when you say cheeky, and you're like, there are certain Australian words that sound really cool. You're so intolerant, like sh- Chief. Shrimp on the bar. Cheeky, you sound like, when you say cheeky, you sound like a dork. That's all I'm telling the Australian people. Don't but, say cheeky. But to you, maybe, maybe in Australia, me, that's well, like I'm a cool word. I'm the only cool person word. who's listening to it. That's me. Yeah. Don't oh, so keep saying cheeky. Ignore this fat idiot over here. That's me. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I said last week. With all my takes. Like, who cares what I say? I'm just like one random dude on the street. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I the, to... the thing I hate the most. Yeah. Is uh, uh, people calling adorable like adorbs? Yeah, I don't really like bad. that. I don't, I don't like that's that. bad. Stop. Stop that. Cut it up. Yeah. Cut it out. Let's see. Uh, abbreviated words on uh, Twitter. Let's see. Emo for emotional. I don't like. 
Yeah. Like, oh, he's being really emo. Mm, right. I don't like that. Right. Um, yeah, I'd have to like get But there's a also list. a lot of Melinda stuff. Like, I look at my sister's Twitter and I don't understand any word she says. That's what she wants. It's all shorthand. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of things that are like beyond us at this point. Well, language is dead. Um, it's sad to say. No, we're just like too old to understand it. Is that what it is? That happened fast. Listen, the the first thing that made me realize that we're old is like, because I was always like... When we started podcasting about a 20-year-old TV show? Our parents heard like Nirvana and they're like, this sucks, I'm out. And I always thought like, I'll give a chance to millennial music, to the millennial music. And I will. Like, I'll listen to, you know, Ariana Grande or Mitski or whatever, and I'll give it a shot. And it, and it's fine. Some of it's bad, some of it's good. Mm-hmm. But then the thing that really separates me, I think, from like the real next generation is that they are willing to watch people play video games. Yeah. And to me, that's like a bridge too far because I will never do it. So like that's just going to become bigger than like the NFL and Major League Baseball and the World Cup combined. And we're just going to be on the outside looking in because I'm not going to watch people play video games. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward to me in 10 years, I'll be like the world's biggest video game watching expert. <laughs> but like to me, that's yeah. the big difference between me I, and, and the yeah, next gen. I, I wish I could say I've kept up with popular music. It was always my intention to do it. But you hate but, music. Like music yeah, to you yeah. is another branch of food. Right. You don't really care about music. Right. I don't really care about music. And you left the Billy Joel concert early. Right. Well, I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to go home. And, How was the Billy Joel concert, by the way? It was uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, good. Uh, you know, I, I, I had some issues. I actually watched it on. Um, I, I, I watched a few of the songs on uh, YouTube. Yeah, that, you don't have to go to music concerts anymore. You just like click on YouTube. But now, yeah, it was kind of a cold night. Um, you know, and we were not dressed for like the uh, baseball stadium concert is a tough concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd much rather be in like the Staples Center for that concert. Right. So it was it was fine. Uh, you know, I, I didn't love the playlist. I think there was some uh, there was some songs I would have uh, cut and some other songs that I wish were in there. But uh, Billy didn't consult with you about he didn't, this. He didn't. Uh, I, I like the show better. I but saw Axel Rose was there. Yeah, he was there. I, I like the show better. I saw him at the uh, Hollywood Bowl in 2014. OK. Yeah. Um, Hollywood over here. But. That being said, yeah, it was always my plan to keep up with the music. I'm just, I'm not in the car and I'm not any place where they're playing popular I, music. Being into music, like knowing a lot about music is a full-time job. It's a lot. Like sometimes I'll have like a playlist of 40 songs to listen to and I'll feel like I'm overwhelmed and I'll like have a long trip or something and I'll listen to them. But it's like, if I like it, I want to listen to it a bunch of times. And then if I don't, I sort of treasure, but it's, it, it t- think about how long it takes to listen to one song. Yeah. And then like think about how many songs there are, especially now. Like back yeah. in the day, they used like 20 bands. OK, now there's 100,000. bands. Let me give you a hot take. You tell me if you okay. like this. How many peppers is this take? OK, I like that bands and musical artists put their songs in commercials. Yeah, no, that's not a bad take. It's I'm going to give it three. Because, because that's like, the only way I'm going to hear their song. And yeah, then it's I hear an original it. take, but I don't know who you're like, what bridge you're burning there. Because uh, you know, the, the music guy is like, oh, these artists are all sellouts. They put their song. Yeah, but let them get paid. You know how much money they get for putting a song in a car commercial? Like and, and I'm never going to hear it if it's not on a commercial. It's true. And the, by the way, the people who pick the commercial music, those are the people with good taste in music. And then it gets I, stuck like, in my head. And then I say, oh, that's the song from the commercial. Yeah. You Shazam it or something, and you yeah. hear it a few times. Yeah, some I'll be watching like MTV The Challenge, and the guy who picks up whoever picks up music for that show 
is good. And once like once every few or the real world, I think is better than the channel. Well, so, like, and they like put it on the screen also. I think that they'll like, say on MTV because yeah. like they still have to pretend to care about music. They'll put what the song is, which is very helpful. Smart idea. OK. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, then Lindsay also says, apart from Akiva's childhood friend correspondent, do you guys ever run into people you knew when you were really young? I'm from a small town. So when I go home, I often run into people I went to elementary school with. And it's super awkward. I was going to say aux. aux oh, yeah, uh, aux that, is a bad one. Yeah, that is, is a bad one. going to abbreviate that. Because uh, the only thing uh, we talk to each other about is how we were eight at the same time, but still feel obligated to speak. Um, what about obli for obligated? No, nobody says super obli. obli. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other than my parents or my family. I don't it's think it's tough for us because we don't live near like Lindsay is from a small town. She's going back there. We don't live where, near where, you know, we grew up. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last time I ran into a non blood relative uh, that I that like, never run into someone from Wanto High or, or Mepham or wherever never. you went in 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 Los Angeles. Never, N- never, never once. Uh, I think in like 2004. For I like saw somebody at the airport. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I have a little bit of a different thing, maybe more similar to Lindsay, where like I come from a smaller, close knit community, but there's also like a lot of people in it. Like it's small relatively, but there's still like thousands of people. So, you know, um, like I will randomly run into people like because you also go to the same places. You might be in a synagogue. You might be at a, a wedding, but it's like it's your people you grow up with type of thing. Yeah. So I will randomly run into people, but not not so much anymore. But when I was a kid, like when I was in college or whatever, I would I would do it a lot. Or like at a Met game, you always see because like half of them are, or half of the people at a Met game are Orthodox Jews. So you always see like, <laughs> people people you people you know. Is that a fact? So, Is that a? I mean, you walk around. It's pretty. Can like, we get Nate Silver on of, this? There's thousands of yarmulkes, which Nate Silver should be wearing because mm-hmm. of his hairline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, it's a fact. All right. Uh, what about uh, Jim, the physics correspondent? He wants to know if either of you had friends who needed to be babied like Frankie, mm. fragile Frankie. Well, Rob always says he doesn't have friends, so I don't know. Yeah, who, who but, uh, you know, uh, that uh, I, I do. I've run into people in my life that are babies. Uh, it's not fun. There's definitely people you have to baby. Sometimes it's like you're a boss and you have to baby, uh, you know, uh, uh, an employee or, or a coworker. Mm-hmm. Um or yeah, I the, I definitely you definitely have to baby people, but in general in my life I'm at the point where like if I have to walk around eggshells around you, I'm just gonna say something stupid. and You're not gonna speak to me anymore. <laughs> okay. So like I'm you're gonna you're gonna make the call of me not being in your life anymore. That's what I found. All right, fair enough. Uh, Matt in Massachusetts says before Jerry suggested that he has to stop the mail. What do you think Kramer was initially planning to do to attack the problem at the choke point? Do you think he'd make banners to protest each of the catalogs like he did to Kenny Rogers roasters? Right, because he says, like, I've got an idea, and then he says, you're going to stop the mail, and Kramer says, ooh, great idea. What was Kramer's idea? A bunch of people wanted to know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what he could do other than sort of, like, uh, go to the Pottery Barn headquarters. Do you think his idea was more extreme? Was he going to, like, firebomb the mail place? Um, I don't know if he was going to do something necessarily with the mail delivery. I wonder if he was going to, like, go to, like, Pottery Barn headquarters. Oh, so he was going to go after the catalogs. Yeah, yeah. that's possible. And now, I feel like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity here in this episode, considering that Elaine's job is the sort of like writer at a catalog that sends out right. catalogs. What do you think he should have done? I she, mean, she gets a hundred of Elaine's catalogs of the Peterman catalog. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a easy way to bring Peterman into the mix. And right, and we've story. had a lot of Kramer Peterman interactions recently, so it might work. Like, hey, Peterman, you have a lot of pull with the catalog uh, lobby. 
uh, could you do something about this? Yeah, big catalog is not budging for Peterman. Yeah, okay, you know, well, maybe you could have some do something else. Okay, it's not a bad idea. All right, um, what about Amir? So Amir says Kramer identifies the man in his meeting as Henry Atkins, the Postmaster General. Of all the insane storylines from season seven, season nine, Kramer knowing the name of the Postmaster General seems like the most unbelievable. <laughs> no one knows that. FWIW, the current Postmaster General is Megan J. Brennan. I've never heard that name before. I agree. She probably doesn't even have a wiki page. Yeah. Um, Is that a presidential appointment? Like, does Trump uh, come in with a new uh, postmaster general? I mean, it's government. I I like I I don't know if he fires the postmaster person, but I think he can fire it. Okay. it's like you come in, you you know, you have a new secretary of state, secretary of defense. I don't think you're like firing the postmaster general in your first week on the job. (laughs) Well, I think there's a lot of people that thought uh, those types of things. I mean, if you have like a good friend who's like, oh, man, this person's been waiting forever to be the postmaster general. Obviously, you can hook that person up. Yeah. Okay. Like if I became president, what what uh, job would you want? Would I want? Yeah. Would you want to be an ambassador? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, uh, are, are those jobs better than the job I already have? I mean, I could get you a no-show job. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. Do you want to be my Jared Kushner? Um, I mean, is Survivor still on? Like, I like I, I do like what I get to do now. I think you could do you could do like you couldn't do all of your podcasts, but you could probably do. Like a couple Survivor shows a week, mm-hmm. yeah. On the side, yeah. I mean that. Uh, I, have I mean, I'm going to listen. I'm the boss. I'm going to let you do a Survivor podcast. I want to listen to it. I'm yeah. the president of the United I, States. I'm not ready to leave the private sector yet, Keeve. I mean, yeah. The problem with the public sector is I can't really like make you an offer you can't refuse. All right. The thing is, the the pension that I can offer you is pretty oh, a good solid. pension. So I think you have to take. Oh, it. You could it. quit after like a week and probably I could use that. Take that. Yeah, yeah. but. The pension you're like set for life with those with those like big time government jobs. Okay. All right. And yeah, do you, would you would you want maybe like some if I could throw in some Secret Service for the Postmaster General? <laughs> okay. Is that, like the Hans family is sending you some mean mail, and you want you want Secret Service? Do I have to have a town hall meeting? I don't no, like how those go do anymore. Yeah. No, those are disasters. You could do. You know what? You have to have a town hall meeting, but you could fill it with plants, and they just ask you questions about survival, like people or like uh, like foliage. No, not like azaleas. No, you fill it with like your fans. Like you tell them, like, all right, nine o'clock is like the live Survivor podcast. Seven thirty, I need everyone to show up at the town hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, just so, cheer everything. Well, they say. Well, yeah, we're I don't do- think the postmaster general has a town hall. Yeah. Well, so it's like what uh, town hall is at? Uh, like uh, or like know it alls is at. Eight and then you can uh, do it the same place. You do hall. like the town hall at it's at nine at Caroline's, yeah. and then you just kick out all like the all like the nerds who come to ask a question to the postmaster mm-hmm. lady or person, and then and then just like all right, survivor time at eight o'clock. Okay, all right, uh, Keeve, and then finally Chester uh, weighs in to say nine years in, and we suddenly discover Monks has the best okra in the city. That seems like something that would have been mentioned earlier. You know, like by every waitress every day. Ice cold, zero pepper take here by Chester. Yeah, no. And the sarcasm he's trying to pull off didn't work. (laughs) Negative two peppers. You have to give us back two peppers, Chester. Who cares about okra? Do you know, by the way, fun fact about Chester. I haven't spoken to him in like four days. That's not the fun fact. Are you mad at him? I don't know where he is. No, no, he just like went to Denver. I think he might be stuck there. Oh, he's with his family? Yeah, he never came back. I have not heard from him. Is it possible that he was murdered? I... I'm not going to like if he was murdered, not by a stranger. Yeah, not by a stranger. Obviously, like you mean assassinated. 
No, I was going to say that uh, the last we heard, oh, his wife. wife was like, uh, was, yeah, uh, yeah, she was very mad. Doctor Jen was very pu- mad, publicly scolding like, him so, on a podcast. So if he if he was murdered and then she's in jail, I'm just trying to think like what of his I would want to like inherit. Yeah, well, she's definitely like, a person what, of interest. Uh, she, yeah, she's definitely yeah. I'm I'm trying to think what what like uh, what, like maybe as a good laptop. Oh, you know what? I want the charts. I want to get his charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, those are evidence. Yeah, that's true. That's, that, that, those will be held up in court for a long time. Right. Uh. Um, could you imagine in the court case <laughs> yeah. of uh, the uh, the Chester murder case that, uh, I mean, that podcast that we did, the hot takeoff, would have to be played for the jury as evidence. Yeah. Oh, listen, <laughs> we'd be getting such great publicity for the uh, for the podcast. Like, I don't think she should murder him, but if she does, it'll be great for the show. Yeah. Oh, I guess the show will be over because I don't know how to tape it. I don't know how... Like without him, we'd we'd actually get it up, right? Uh, Would you take over as my co-host on Thirty Two Fans if Chester's dead? Mm, Once this is over, uh, well, I have to think about it. Okay, you can think. Of it. You could. Yeah. Oh, so it's a pretend offer. I mean, that, that's you know. a life-changing uh, commitment to say yes to. I mean, we do like thirty-minute show. This is two hours. That's like almost nothing. It's almost nothing. But <laughs> well, by the way, can I tell you another crazy Chester thing? Yes. That I I, I don't know if he ever, he's ever mentioned this. He doesn't like being called Chester. Oh, no, I didn't know that. He wants to be called Alex, and I think his wife calls him Alexander. Okay. Like, Alexander, when she's really mad. I mean, I'll call him Alex name. from now on. Not Alex. Well, you should go with Alexander. Alexander? Well, I'm not his wife. He doesn't like Chester. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. there you go. And that's why you do One it? One more question okay. from Chester. Alex says, uh, why did Seinfeld go with Wilford Brimley as Henry Atkins for Postmaster General when the real Postmaster General in 1997 was Marvelous Marv himself, Carvin Marvin Travis uh, Runyon. Uh, I, now, is he is he being uh, sarcastic here? No, that's I guess the guy who was Postmaster General when this episode aired was like a really interesting guy. That's what Chester's saying. He must have Googled this. There's no way he knew this. If he knew this, he's a huge dork. He probably knows that Megan Brennan is like the actual Postmaster mm-hmm. now. Yeah. But I think he's just saying that the person who was Postmaster was a fascinating person. So why fake it? But maybe the post office guy wasn't willing to come on the show. Mm-hmm. So they had to fake it with Wilford Brimley, who's more famous than Marvelous Marv. Yeah. Okay. He also asked, what's what's Newman in trouble for at the end of the episode? Which is a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. Uh, I mean, I guess he might have been tipping off uh, Kramer about uh, the plans of the uh, Matrix guys. Uh, yeah, I think they, they must think he's in cahoots with Kramer. Yeah. So, Okay. Uh, there you have it, Keeve. Uh, do we have a hashtag? Uh, it's got to be one of these uh, abbreviated words, right? Yeah. Which one do you like, though? What was Putties? Putties was um, Scrum. Scrum. I think that's pretty Adorbs, good. Adorbs, Preggers. No, go with. <laughs> let's go with uh, Scrum. Or is that like too many uh, rugby uh, tweets are going to be in the scrump? mix? Does he say Scrum or Scrump? Uh, I think he says. He might say Scrump. Scrump. Yeah, he says Scrump. Okay, so Scrump hashtag it is. Scrump. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. And then we want to uh, get back together next week for the Merv mm-hmm. Griffin show. Yeah. Classic episode. Very excited to go, you know, move from a maybe a clunker this week to a really good one. Very podcast week. relevant. Merv Griffin himself. No, the <laughs> po- the idea of a talk show in your living room. Yes, it's essentially the first podcast, the Merv Griffin Show. Yes, okay. So uh, I'm sure that we will be inundated with questions about uh, if you could do the podcast in your living room, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So uh, looking forward to that in one week's time. Of course, a uh, big thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who edits uh, these fine podcasts. Of course, to Mike Moore, who writes the recap on posterrecaps.com. Keeve, what else? What else is going on? 
I don't know. I think we're back to a normal time this week for the writers inners, the mailbag people. Yeah, right? we probably won't be on Monday. Probably not. we're not going to talk for a while now. We're not going to talk for like nine, ten days. That means. Yeah. So it'll be a little sad. bit of a of a, <laughs> a little bit. Can of, you miss me? Yes, I will. Um, okay. A little bit of a layoff. And so, uh, Keeve, uh, what will be the uh, Mets uh, record over these next 10 days? I'd say they go three and they have like three starting pitchers right now. Yeah, I'd say they go three and seven over the next ten games. Three and seven. Okay, so we'll we'll check in That's on that. Being optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the over, but I don't feel great about it. Okay, all right, uh, great stuff. Uh, check out the uh, hot takeoff on the Thirty Two Fans podcast. What else is going on there, Keith? Oh, I don't know. Oh, because he's having Chester. Chester. Okay, don't have a- and 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 subscribe to Thirty Two Fans to see if Chester is dead or not. It's like a good cliffhanger. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm not going to like tweet if he's dead. You have to actually subscribe. Subscribe to, to the episode and then see what happens next. I mean, this is a really great uh, like season break type cliffhanger. Better than uh, which girl Ross was going to get. Yeah, no, I should tell him not to tweet if he ever comes back because. Like, he's got to keep the, the illusion up. This podcast is not going to be posted for a bunch of days. Yeah. All right. Uh, good stuff, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.